All right. Good morning, everybody. It is Pastor Paul here again on a on a very chilly uh, Thursday morning, February 10th. So glad that you have joined us. So we take 10, 15 minutes every weekday morning to um, launch our days um, forward um, through the Word of God. And we are now in Romans chapter 6. So we're running concurrently with our preaching series um, on the book of Romans. And we're using these times in the week to sort of pick up the, the pieces from the sermon, so to speak, those things that maybe we didn't spend as much time on or didn't have time to, to delve into different application points or to pursue particular themes. And obviously, Romans 6 and 7 are full of some really meaty material because Paul is trying to explain um, to the listeners or the readers in Rome, the church in Rome, the relationships between faith and works, the relationship between justification and sanctification, the relationship between um, the fact that we are saved by grace, but yet we are called towards obedience. And so we've been looking at several this week, several um, misconceptions about the way that people attempt to relate these and yesterday we were comparing and contrasting what James says about justification and then what Paul says about justification. And as we saw, there's really not a discrepancy between the two at all. They complement each other. Paul is speaking about justification in a different way than James is. And James and Paul are speaking about different kinds of faith. Paul, genuine biblical faith. James, a demonic, merely intellectual sort of faith. Well, we want to go back to Romans 6 this morning and look at another issue um, that Paul raises in relationship to works, okay, um, and, and how they relate to salvation. And let me read the passage, and then we're going to dive in. Paul says in verse 20 of Romans chapter 6, he says, For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. So let's, for a moment, just rehearse the difference in justification and sanctification. Justification is an act. It's a one-time declaration on the part of God that we are not guilty. In fact, that we are righteous. It's a courtroom verdict rendered in the heavenly throne room, so to speak. And it's not based upon the righteousness that we bring to God that has earned this declaration. It's because of Christ's death for us. So it's a one-time declaration. It can, It's unalterable. It cannot be changed. It cannot be revoked. Sanctification is a separate but but at the same time inseparable part or result of justification. So sanctification is the is a process. It's the process where God makes us um, um, dead to sin and alive to righteousness. It's the process God uses to make us more to be like him, to mold us into his image. And Paul's very clear in Romans 8, we'll get here at some point, those who are justified will also be sanctified. So they're, they're inseparable, but they're, but they're distinct. 
Now, Paul says something very interesting here. When he says, let's go back to verse 22. Well, actually, let's, let's, let's back up to, to verse 21. It says, the fruit that you were getting at that time from the things of which you are now um, ashamed led to death. So he, he, he's saying, look, before you knew Christ, you were practicing deeds of unrighteousness that led that lead to death or that were going to lead to death, not just physical death, but spiritual death, eternal death. He says, but now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. And so the sanctification part we get, God is making us to be more like him. But then Paul throws this phrase in, which leads to eternal life. So, so how does sanctification lead to eternal life? Um, how is it? How is it related? How does it point to? And again, it's very important that we interpret scripture by scripture. Look at the whole context. We know Paul doesn't mean that sanctification saves us, but yet at the same time, Paul says it leads us to eternal life. Now, how how, how is this? What 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 does this mean? I was thinking about um, an analogy, and and I think John Piper is where I first heard this particular metaphor. It's not a perfect metaphor. No, no metaphors or illustrations are perfect, right? Um, but I think you'll understand the point. So if I were to stand trial for a crime that I did not commit, okay, um, and but I was nonetheless accused of this crime, obviously the defense attorney that I would hire would be bringing evidence to indicate that I had not uh, committed this crime. So maybe it's eyewitnesses um, to say I did not see him, or it was alibi, people who could affirm an alibi of where I was. Um, there might be scientific pieces of evidence. It's not my fingerprints. It's not my, it's not my DNA. Now, whether the evidence is brought forward or not, doesn't ultimately, all right, mean I did or did not commit the crime, okay? Um, that is true or not true regardless of what evidence is presented. But you could say that if my defense lawyer did not bring forth the evidence for um, my acquittal, then there's a very real likelihood I could be declared guilty, even though I didn't do it. So, so think about faith and works for a second. Um, our works are the evidence of our salvation. And whether anyone, and again, imperfect analogy, um, sees all of them or marshals all of them doesn't change the fact whether I'm justified or not. However, okay, on the last day, those, if it, you could say if, if the evidence was not presented in court, I could be very well be declared guilty, even though I'm not. Well, in the last day, our works will be presented to God. And those works, again, don't change whether we were justified or not. They're just evidence of our justification. However, they are necessary, so to speak, to be presented in order to affirm the true condition <clears throat> of our souls. 
And so that's why, um, flip over to, to Revelation 4 for a second. And here we get a picture of the throne room in heaven and all the, the creatures, the 24 elders are gathered around the throne. And remember the 24 creatures, the elders, the apostles, it's, this symbolizes the picture of the church. So in heaven, we're gathered around the throne and in the course of our life, we have been gathering up crowns okay now whether these are physical crowns or the nature of them are spiritual i think they, they we have to think about them spiritually so so paul says there he mentions there are different times where um we will receive the crown of life or we'll be rewarded a crown as will all those who waited expectantly for the lord and we don't know what that those crowns are exactly whether they're <clears throat> the affirmation of of our father whether again they are the ability to enjoy heaven to a particular degree, uh, we, 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 don't, we don't really know. But again, these are works of grace that God produces in our life, okay? Um, by his spirit working in us, fruit is being produced and symbolized by this idea of crowns. Well, listen to what happens on the last day. Verse 9 of Revelation 4. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him, who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever. The 24 elders fall down before him, who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne, saying, worthy are you, O Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things. And by your will, they existed and were created. So these crowns are, again, the works of righteousness that God has by his grace worked out in the heart and produced in the life of the believer. And then on that day when we're gathered around the throne, we're not going to come with our crown and say, look, Jesus, look at how awesome I was. Look at the good works that I did. Don't, you know, I'm ready for my affirmation and for you to pat me on the head and say, good job, well done. That's not how that's going to work. We're actually going to recognize that even the works of obedience that by God's grace we were given, were again all by his grace. And this is a picture of casting our crowns, meaning we are laying down all of our works, our righteousness, and we're giving thanks to God for producing us in them. But make no mistake, the, the only people who will be gathered around the throne will be the ones who have been justified and that God by his grace has produced fruits, works, righteousness, crowns, in their life. This is what I think Paul means <clears throat> in Romans chapter 6 when he says sanctification leading to eternal life. On that last day, that verdict that will be re rendered, well done, good and faithful servant, is based entirely on the merit of Christ on our behalf, justification. But that justification has produced this body, this weight of evidence, of fruit that all of us by grace will present to God and say, Thank you, Lord. Um, I offer my works of obedience, which in themselves were only a result of your mercy and grace in, in my life. And so this is why we can say, Luther can say, we're saved by faith alone, but not by a faith that is alone. Those who truly have faith will have the gracious fruit of God produced and generated in their life, which leads to eternal life, which is why we always say when we despair of our sin, 
maybe we're not seeing the fruit we would want to see. We say, you know what? My justification is based upon God's sheer grace and his grace alone. And then as God graciously produces fruit, we come and say, this is all a result of his mercy in our, in our lives. These, these good works, they don't form the basis of my salvation, but they are, they are evidence that God is working. And sometimes that fruit is small. Sometimes it can be infinitesimal. Sometimes um, there can be other pieces of rotten fruit on our tree of good fruit. Well, that, that's a, not a good spiritual analogy, but you get what I'm saying. There are going to be things in our life, weeds, tares, that, that threaten to, to choke out the fruit. But the fruit is there nonetheless because of God's work in us. And I think that's what Paul means. All right, that is it for today. We'll be back tomorrow morning, Friday, for our last devotional of the week. Maybe we'll do some Super Bowl picks because the Super Bowl is coming up um, this Sunday. Go Bengals. Let me pray. Lord, we ask now that you would turn our heart and our eyes to you and that we would give you all the praise and the glory and the honor for who you are and what you've done in our lives. Lord, we cast our crowns before you, not because we were so wonderful in producing them, but because you were so gracious in working them in us. And it's in your name we pray.